Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much. Just um, I'm on spring break, so it's been a nice little break. What have you been doing? We went down to Boston where I thought I had a cavity, and it turns out that it was all in my head and I didn't actually have a real cavity. <laughs> Wait, like when you went to Boston to um, get your cavity checked out, it wasn't because someone like said you had a cavity. It was because you convinced yourself you had one. Okay, so apparently my wisdom teeth are coming in at an angle which makes my other teeth hurt. So there was a real problem, but I felt like such a clown going all the way to Boston and him just being like, um, wait, he called it like, what's it called? Like COVID paranoia. I was like, no. <laughs> so, Bro, what? You really had so much time. You convinced yourself that you had a cavity and then drove to Boston. How does that make you feel? It was nice to see my mom, um, but it was a bit embarrassing going in and him telling me I had paranoia. <laughs> but to clarify, Sam's mom lives in Boston and is not the dentist. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that might have been less awkward if your mom was the dentist, actually. So some <laughs> random dude. Uh, um, yeah, well, that's great that you don't have a cavity. Um are you getting your wisdom teeth taken out? After school gets out. So I'm going to wait a little while. Big plans, big plans coming for you. <laughs> um, but we are really excited for today's episode because we will be interviewing artist Lucy Liu over a cup of coconut water. Great. Let's get into it. For today's episode, I chose coconut water because um, I don't really like coconut water unless it's like fresh out of a coconut. But also um, yesterday I did um, drink some boozy beverage and coconut water is really good for rehydrating the next morning and the night of. Um, So that's really what it's good for. I feel like I don't know. I feel like it would just be weird to like, except for today, I did it, but to go into a store and like get coconut water, like that just seems like so counterintuitive to me. Mm, Yeah, I've never been a fan of coconut water. To me, it tastes like watered down milk. So (laughs) I've just never, but apparently it's great for like rehydrating. Yeah, like what you said. Um, And that's like, literally what I just said but thank you I think of it as like Pedialyte so if I like need to rehydrate I'll do something like that but I I don't get people who drink it just like on the regular I was reading today about Pedialyte because I was like should I get Pedialyte but apparently you can't like have Pedialyte open for that long like once you open it you have to like finish it is that true well, it's not that big. <laughs> why, why is that an issue? <laughs> Isn't it like more expensive than like Gatorade and coconut water? Okay, it's fucking crazy expensive. It's like $9 or something. Right. So don't act like my question was so absurd. I would want to save my PD life. I'm going to spend like $10 on it. So I ended up not because, um, you know, I don't have that kind of money to shell out for my hydration. So I just chugged water in the bathroom. <laughs> Damn, that that was a sad image that you just put out there for everyone. 
Um, but moving on from coconut water, because neither of us like it, um, we are super excited um, to be interviewing artist Lucy Liu today. Um, Sam, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got acquainted with their music? Yeah, um, there was actually, I think I heard one of their earlier albums last year, just like checked it out. But then there was a great Bandcamp profile recently and that really spurred my interest in the new album. And then once I heard the new album, it was like an immediate connection. It's one of those albums, it's called Practice. It really grabs you immediately just with how experimental it is, with all the things that, it just feels very boundary pushing and it makes you really uncomfortable. What did you think, Teresa? Yeah, this album really gave me an existential crisis. I felt like I was walking into like one of those um, art installations at like one of those like modern art museums where you just hear voice recordings and like sounds. And it just, well, I was sitting at my boring desk when I was listening to this album, but it felt like I was in a different space. Um, And yeah, the album very much includes also a lot of classical piano. As you guys know, I was once classically trained at the piano. So um, yeah, that really brought me back. And it was just a really, really beautiful album and um I'm not gonna say it made me feel empty but something about it was just very existential to me yeah and just to give you guys a little bit of background Lucy Liu is a Korean American artist and their newest project practice um sounds very ethereal it incorporates a lot of text-to-speech elements so it kind of sounds like Siri or a Siri-like voice talking to you, which is super unique in the way that they blend these elements with um, more classically trained piano is really interesting. So definitely check out their newest album, Practice. Um, It's an incredible project. They released their um, debut album, Welfare, last year, and that kind of got up a lot of critical attention and um, practice was released in February and recorded last year in Washington. So Teresa, should we call them up right now? Yeah, let's call Lucy right now. Hi. 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 We love the album so much. Um, and I think it's really impacted both of us in various different ways. And we just wanted to ask you some questions about the process of putting it together and what a lot of it meant to you. Yeah. We saw that you'd move back to Seattle to record a lot of the album and the album feels very personal. Um, so how did that move back impact um, the your creative process and your thought about this album? Yeah, so like I just graduated college and um, came back home and you know, I had, like I made my first album and released it in March. It was called Welfare. And um, I was already like thinking about, hmm, like I need to do something to follow this up in what way? And I was, I was wondering. And then um, I had like a few life events that happened. And so like this kind of came about pretty naturally, if that makes sense. So um, my grandma felt 
fell ill. She fell really ill, not from COVID, but um, from like unknown reasons. Like we were, she was going in and out of the hospital a lot. So um, she fell ill and she's in Korea. So my mom went to Korea as like a last minute decision. And I was actually supposed to come back to Philadelphia to go to school for grad school. Cause I'm in like a one year grad program there right now. And um, I made the decision to like, just stay in Seattle so I could like help things out at home with my sister, my dad and whatnot. So um, the album was personal because there were so many things going on and there were so many personal decisions that I had to make to remain in Seattle. And I think, I was telling this to my friend actually, I feel like geography actually has a lot to do with like how you make things and how you create. Um, <laughs> I made all of welfare in Philadelphia and welfare is like very emotionally detached and um, it's so different from like the music I was making while here. So yeah, I would say mainly just like life events definitely push this album to be a lot more personal. I, I always say like my, I want my music to be documentation more than anything. So it was just me documenting a lot of the experiences I was going through. Yeah, and kind of on that note, so um, you dropped this album in February, but when did you, I guess, start um, like creating the album and what was that process like? Yeah, so I made this album and I wanna say like three weeks. So um, my mom left towards like the end of August, which is when I made the first song. So every song I made kind of pretty much in order. And um, yeah, I, I started it in August and pretty much finished it towards like the middle of September. And then, you know, I'm sure you all know this, but like there are wait times for labels and stuff. So I had to wait a little bit before it came out. But um, yeah, it was like last year. Yeah, and you just brought up how um, you basically recorded the albums in the order that they, or recorded the songs on the order that they appear in the album. And I think this kind of um, corresponds with an idea of world building that you've talked about a little bit. So how did you, how do you think the sequencing affected the world building and what is your approach to world building and music in general? The world building in my music has a lot to do with like one of my major musical influences, which is um, Pansori. Pansori is Korean folk opera. And Korean folk opera is within itself world building through the usage of voice, vocal manipulations, like literal physical vocal manipulations and um, uh, rhythm. So like the drum, they use the folk typically, which is like the traditional Korean drum. And that has always been my biggest musical inspiration personally, and which is why like welfare within itself is also world building and storytelling. Um, I guess this world building was a little bit different though. I described this in my Bandcamp interview a little bit, but um, I was also extremely inspired by Korean drama soundtracks. I don't know if you guys watch Korean drama. I'm obsessed with Korean dramas, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I just had like really interesting experiences listening to Korean drama soundtracks when I was growing up. I remember like my parents, my grandparents would tell me this is the sound of Han, which is like a, 
like an emotion concept, emotion slash concept that's kind of hard to explain, I guess, in English. But, you know, if you look on Wikipedia or whatever, they'll tell you it's something related to like grievance, but like historical, the post-colonial identity of grievance. And um, yeah, it was so interesting to me when they said that about Korean drama soundtracks, because Korean drama soundtracks are very westernized. They're extremely like pop leveled and um, it just like made me think about like how transient Han was to me. And it also had a lot to do with just like what I was going through that time. Um, Cause Han once again, is like the post-colonial identity of grief and grief management, I guess, in English terms, very vaguely. And um, what I was going through, when I was going through all these life events back in the end of August, beginning of September, I had to have like a lot of these conversations with my dad and my sister and my mom about like the potential loss that we might be experiencing or like the potential grievance or the grief that we might have to face. And so this world building, I think, kind of happened very naturally in the sense that I was experiencing, experiencing the events linearly in a linear way. And I was therefore making the music with a sense of linearity. And same with like my music inspirations, like I was watching a lot of Korean dramas at the time. And so everything kind of happened pretty unilaterally. Yeah, no, that was very beautifully said. I feel like you do have like a PR person. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like, God, uh, no. That really made a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> so when I was listening to your music, I was thinking like, how do these, all these pieces come together? It's, it feels to me like so experimental. Like I would never be able to put all these different, you know, piano parts and like text to speech. So can you talk, talk to us a little bit about sort of your composition process? Do you look for certain sounds or feelings or do you sort of come across them and want to incorporate them or yeah. What is your composition process like? Um, so I guess I can start a little bit about like my music background because maybe that'll help kind of facilitate this discussion or I guess my answer. Um, I grew up playing piano my whole life, classical piano my whole life. Um, I played it like really competitively for a few years or not a few years, for many years. <laughs> I played classical piano very competitively, competitively for many years. And um, so obviously like, piano is kind of the instrument I resort to, to I think channel so many thoughts and emotions and ideas because it's like what I am most versed with, if that makes sense. Like it is, it is the best channel for me to really process and to really create. So I think a lot of these pieces, a lot of my, I, a lot of my like composition process like actually starts at the piano all those like electronic manipulations that you hear, I'll start at the piano too. And it's me, they're like transmogrifying the sound into like different shapes and whatnot. So it's like, it, everything starts at the piano. I wanna make that very clear. And frankly, like the whole text to speech part is very much so inspired by once again, Panzuri and um, and so is my piano playing in a sense, actually, not necessarily the piano playing that you hear like on practice, like the, the very literal piano playing, but I guess more like the ersatz kind of electronic manipulations. Because I'm so interested in Pansori. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Pansori. If you haven't, 
I truly recommend it just as in like a an experience because it's so beautiful and it's so interesting and it I don't know maybe it's because I'm Korean like I just think it's like beautiful on so many different levels but um you hear the kinds of like vocal manipulations being made with from the singer from this vocalist and it's like the rhythmic changes and also the very subtle tonal changes all the time create new layers new added layers of like different kinds of emotions thoughts and experiences and that within itself i think is musical world building and i approach my composition process in a very similar way but through the piano as like a very obvious mechanism because the piano is my voice if that makes sense it's like the easiest voice that i can have access to musically and then the actual text to speech is more of like a um, I described it as like a brutalization of pansori because it's like I wanted to I wanted to sing that way or like maybe create something that way but also I'm not a singer <laughs> I'm not a singer and um, you know pansori is an art like it's an it's an art form that takes years and years of practice and expertise and I'm a Korean, I'm a son, of, a, a child of immigrants. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to show like my musical process is, and like my idea of text and text world building, cause like Pansori actually has like words and I don't want to say lyrics, but it is storytelling. Um, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to show like the brutalization of it that I have to always come in terms with as a Korean American, because it's not as as much as it is part of my culture, it really isn't in really many ways too. So um, yeah, I, does that make sense? Yeah, also I wanted to, um, so I also play piano competitively until senior year of high school. And then I kind of like stopped going after going to college. Um, but also I was never really trained in theory that much. I just like played competitively. Um, but most of the repertoire, at least I learned competitively, it's very like Eurocentric, right? Like Bach, like Tchaikovsky, like all of those things. So I guess like, how did you begin to use piano in a way that kind of meshes more with um, Eastern influences when, I don't know, I feel like most of my piano experience has been very like Eurocentric, like Western sounds, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think you're getting at something really big and not just my music necessarily, but I think a lot of how, um, not Korean people, excuse me, <laughs> like East Asian people um, approach classical music in the sense of like you know the eurocentric classical music that you're talking about um i think it's i think inevitably my music will always have a eurocentric backbone as i am once again a korean american and i grew up playing classical music that was eurocentric do i think that limits me from quote unquote, um, accessing or really like channeling quote unquote, like Eastern 
ideas and thoughts and music processes? Absolutely not. But I also think that dichotomy, as important it is to acknowledge, I do think, you know, like, yes, the piano within itself is a, is a Western instrument. And so I think it's just like, there are so many different parts that are in play. Like the piano is a Western instrument. I have Western training and I'm approaching something from that perspective. And so of course, like within itself, it's like, it's, it's like colonialist in a way, but at the same time, it's like me doing my best to really understand and channel these very Korean specific understandings and ideas that I've always had to figure out on my own. And what's even, and that kind of goes back to like the Korean dramas that I was talking about in the beginning, that I, yeah, that I was talking about in the beginning. Um, it reminds me like how transient and how um, malleable is Han in a musical context, do you know what I mean? Like I have a friend, by the way, brilliant, brilliant friend named, um, Sonic Kim, who makes incredible music, and they have an album called Zero Chime, and that is like their musical attack on the West, and that with that can be Han, and they talk about how their music is Han, but I think mine is like a very different understanding and approach to it, so that was a very long-winded answer of saying, I don't know. <laughs> You know, that makes a lot of sense and is super helpful for kind of how I could conceptualize your music as well. Um, but moving from piano, I know experimental can be kind of a problematic term in itself, but what influenced you to move from that very kind of restrained classical piano to a more experimental sound? Was it specific artist influences or was it just changes in how you saw your own music? I started, I started music like only knowing classical music. I didn't listen to classical music until I was in like, what, like middle of elementary school. And that's when I was like introduced to <laughs> like Rihanna, like Ashanti, Mariah Carey, um, Keisha Cole, like all these different like R&B artists that I didn't even know. I didn't even know who I was listening to at that time. And um that it like completely changed my understanding of what music could be. And it also like hearing all of that music really birthed a new kind of ambition or an interest and a curiosity to understand like what other kinds of music is out there and um, existent. And once again, like on, on that layer above, like uh, once again, like black women, like FKA Twigs and like Klein and like, like Crystal Mess and all these other incredible, like, and more mother, like these incredible, like black women and like, quote unquote, like experimental music, pop music and anywhere in between and like hip hop and R&B, anywhere in between. I mean, it completely, changed my understanding of what music could be. It was always like these crazy like epiphanies, like one in elementary school and like one in middle school and then one in high school and one in college, like these epiphanies kept happening because of my, because, because I was just like listening and being exposed to like what these incredible like black women were making in music. And I, I wanna like make that super clear that like my music 
would not be where it is or even receive the kind of recognition it's receiving without like the help and work of black women because like even from the very beginning like I only ever got attention in the first place because Klein a musician and artist I absolutely worship um said like hey like let me help you release this so like I know it's like so it's probably like very far-fetched to say like black women have been incredibly integral to like my musical understanding of like how to transmogrify sounds and like really shift things in different ways but like I really think black women in music have really pushed and generated new thought of like what is limitless in music whether it's voice composition like they really I think they are always changing the game. I mean, for example, like I think Klein is like one of my biggest influences of all time. And so is Mariah Carey. And both vocalists and both producers have changed and showed how limitless music and voice can be in so many different contexts. Like, yes, I have this classical background and yes, I'm like extremely influenced and interested in like Korean music, but that interest would probably have never been birthed unless I got like that incredibly important introductions to different kinds of music at a very young age with mm. Mariah Carey and Ashanti and like all these different um, incredible artists that, you know, believe it or not, like make up a lot of the childhoods of a lot of like Korean immigrants, you know what I mean? Like this is the music of a lot of um, immigrants, it, it really is. so. Yeah, I would say that because it was it was like my cousins showing me um, this music. So, yeah, that's awesome, and that definitely traces like a bit of a lineage. Uh, and I, following your Twitter, I Are you follow me. Oh, I'm sorry. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so crazy. On I really like Mariah Carey because you talk about Mariah Carey a lot. <laughs> I do. I do. And I was wondering. Um, what are some of your favorite Mariah Carey songs? And also in the Bandcamp profile, we saw the Mariah Carey covers album possibility. Oh Is yeah. Anything that could happen? Oh my God. She's like the most important artist to me. Like literally the most important artist to me, both musically and both, I guess like ideologically or like theoretically, she is the most important artist to me. Her music, oh, I just like, sorry, there's so much to talk about. I'm like such a huge Mariah Carey fan. So it's like, ugh, once again, I'm gonna be extremely long-winded. But um, her musical history is so fascinating. Going from an extremely curated pop vision, mainly supported and controlled by her record label to making like very incredible like R&B hip hop music as like the grip was lessened and now and also like her understandings of like range and like vocalizations and like melisma it's it was literally revolutionary music like I think people forget that like it was literally revolutionary when Vision of Love came out it was a, literally a revolutionary pop song. And um, I still think she's a revolutionary. And I say that because I think she, she just understands the voice in such like a 
technically incredible, but also like visionary way. Um, and I keep saying limitless, but like that is literally like <laughs> so ideologically important to me, the idea of being limitless, especially in such like an oppressive and violent uh, state. Like the idea of like a limitless vision, an idea of a limitless reality, whether that's musical, sonic, whether that's like actual, you know, um, corporeal. Like I think the idea of like having no limitations is so advanced or not necessarily advanced, but it's so like, I think it's like an abolitionist thinking. Like, I think it's really like so influential in so many different ways. And I think I resort back to her music because it reminds me all the time that music and all these forms remind how limitless like living can be and how limitless thought can be and expression can be. And um, I don't know, this is like, I'm going on, a, complete tangent here but I don't know if you've ever like read Sadia Hartman who was like this incredible like super important black archivist and scholar but um from like her book Scenes of Subjection she talks about how like the connotation and like the expression of freedom actually um invokes and reminds us that bondage exists the word freedom reminds us that bondage exists and um not to like alliterate that to like ridiculous degrees in music, but I think like the idea of like having no limits, having no kinds of capitalist um, limitations. It's, it's just like, I don't know. I just think she's like incredible in so many different ways because she reminds me that things are limitless and that there are new realities and past realities where things were not that, where capitalism was not completely brutalizing every condition of the world does that make sense like that was so 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 crazy but anyway you also asked me like my favorite songs by Mariah Carey <laughs> I'm like so insane you guys are like oh please um god there's so many I love my favorite album of all time is the emancipation of Mimi that's my favorite album of all time um so obviously I love every single song from that but I also love Honey. Um, I love all the classics for sure. I love songs like Bliss, Fourth of July. Um, love some of like her new, quote unquote, newer stuff too that like no one listens to anymore, which makes me super upset. <laughs> you know, I love like, she did She did a song with Miguel called Beautiful and she did a song with like Wale called um, like, what is it called? You Don't Know or something like that. And um, so many, Obsessed, Touch My Body, Hate You, Candy Bling. I could go on and on. Like I like know everything and Glitter and Charm Bracelet. Like there's just so many, it's all so good. So, so good. <laughs> and the Mariah Carey Covers album. Yeah, I'm hoping to make that a reality. We'll see. <laughs> I love how you just like listed her whole discography basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, going just going back to the um when you're talking about limitlessness, um when I was telling Sam about how I was feeling when I was listening to practice, it felt like I was being put in some 
like infinite space um even though i was like listening to it here so um i guess do you kind of when you talk about limitlessness does that include what you want listeners to sort of feel when they listen to your music um or do you talk about limitlessness more as like a practice rather than um the feeling of engaging with your music i think it's both definitely um yeah like i i want to remind people that like music is both everything and nothing at all like you know rests are music like having having silence is music and um having all sorts of sound is also music and we don't have to compartmentalize music into such like oppressive degrees um especially in like such like a westernized um capitalist and colonialist context and i think that's why i like try not, that's that's not why I try, but it's like a, a huge part of my practice in music, which is why I think I inherently hope that people feel that way or people perceive my music in that way. Yeah, I feel like every artist should hopefully feel that way about their music or for like whichever direction that they want to go go into. Like there are really like no limits. There are limits, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a beautiful way to put it um I think those are all the questions we had for you today but what should people be looking out for you um coming up next I have a number of projects coming but also nothing is finished so I'm also like <laughs> I don't know what I could say <laughs> um I don't know I I feel like if I can tell people anything, it's like, A, obviously listen to Mariah Carey, but also listen to a lot of like the music my friends are making, um, people in your community. I wanna make that super clear. Like music is also community. So like- okay. You wanna shout listen. out some of your friends? Oh yeah, for sure. Like my friends in New York, like Sonic Kim, Oh Young, um, Nick Zinka. I think like motion graphics is te technically in New York too, love motion graphics. Like those are my friends in New York. I also love like Claire Rashi, Maurice, Andrew Weathers, CC Sorensen. Um, and then like my one friend, and I wanna say like, I actually don't even know where they are. I think they're in like Europe. <laughs> like my friend White, like super, super important. So yeah, just like support the people in your area. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Lucy and check out their album, Practice. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.